0: Father, we come before you this morning and we recognize that you are the God of the nations, that you're not just a God of Americans or white people, but Father, that you have had a plan and a purpose of redemption throughout all time, even before time began. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that our friends and our family members have to go overseas and to share the gospel. Lord, we ask that you would protect them. We know that you are You hold all things together. You are going to allow them to experience things that kind of shake them a little bit this week, that kind of rattle them and give them a crisis of faith. But, Father, we know that you'll be there to lead them, to guide them. Lord, you know each person that is on this trip. You know what they need. You know the stuff that's in their life, the distractions that you have to penetrate through. And so, Father, we ask, that you would do that in order to make them more like Jesus in the next few days as they're on this trip. Give them a passion for the lost. Lord, we also pray even now for the people that they're going to come in contact with. Lord, we ask that you would give them dreams. We ask that you would give them conversations where they realize that they've got to get wherever these missionaries are going to be so that they can hear the story of Jesus and hear the story of the gospel. We ask that you would allow our friends and family members to minister to the missionaries that are there, to encourage them, to love them, to, to just strengthen them through community and through uh, like-minded faith. Father, do a work in Columbia, do a work in these people's lives, and do a work um, as they come back and tell us their stories of how great of a God you are. We ask that you would bless this time that we have this morning. We ask that you would speak truth to us, that you would penetrate through all of the things that distract us in our lives, Lord, and Lord, that you would allow us to get to the place where we hear the Spirit of God through the Word of God. Do that this morning. Thanks for who you are, and thanks for a faith family that loves you and that is growing to be more like you. We ask that you would do marvelous things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, for the past couple weeks, um, actually not last week because we had an amazing pancake breakfast for those of you that were out of town, those of you that helped with that, thank you for it, it, it was a lot of fun. Um, we have been studying uh, the book of Acts on Wednesday nights together and uh, throughout the week and we've also on Sunday mornings been going through a book by a guy named Francis Chan called Forgotten God. The two supplement with one another, they work off of each other because Forgotten God is about the Holy Spirit, and the book of Acts is about the gospel being um, witnessed by the apostles and all, the gospel going forward throughout all the ends of the earth through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we have, um, in our time together, we've talked about some fears that we have of the Holy Spirit, either being a little too freaky or what if I really do give him control of my life? That means I'm not in control, and that kind of bothers me a little bit. We talked about that um, one week. We also talked about getting in the game, how we come together in little huddles uh, on Sundays, our little Christian huddles where we say, hey, good job. We all get hyped up, and then we go out in the week, and we sit on the sidelines. We never really enter into the game. And so we come back from the sidelines the next week and we get back in the huddle again and we get all pumped up, sing some songs, even though that's kind of weird, sing some songs and do all this stuff and then break and we go back to the sidelines. And so we were saying, hey, what if this week, what if next week, what if we took what we're learning and said, okay, let's get in the game. Let's apply what we're learning and get in the game. Is there a cricket over there? That's awesome. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, if anybody see that thing flying around, just kill it. It's a little scared now. <laughs> awesome. Okay. And then uh, after that, we then kind of unpacked a lot of things that we learned about the Holy Spirit. We we hit the Holy Spirit gives us freedom. We hit the Holy Spirit makes us holy, which is a little weird, uh, where its job is to make us more like Christ. And that's, that's a little... A little weird for us because the goal of you being here today is not just to chill and to hang out. It's to make you more like Christ. And if you're going to grow, if you're going to change, change is hard. Those of you who January 1, that is the most obnoxious cricket I have ever heard. Is it a cricket or am I losing my mind? Okay. Kevin, will you get under the stage and kill No. Okay. Awesome. Lord, help my ADD. Okay, here we go. Um, on January 1, how many of you made New Year's resolutions? I'm going to get in the gym. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose some weight. I'm going to, you know, buff up, get huge. I'm going to take some protein, all that kind of stuff. Yeah? Tracy, you're the only one. Okay, awesome. The rest of you are liars, but that's okay. Uh, when you get in there on January 1, it's tough. When you haven't done work for a long time and you say okay I'm going to do it like for me I'm really depressed right now because I used to be a runner used to be I used to run all the time I used to run half marathons all that kind of stuff and I took about 2 years off because we moved we had a kid all that kind of stuff and now I'm like okay I'm going to get back into run now that I'm done with seminary I'm going to run and it is hard And it is hot here in Texas, where you have to get up at like 3 o'clock in the morning so that it's not above 90 degrees. It is tough, and my body is old, which I have realized that when I run, it hurts. But you know what? I want to develop consistency. I want to run. And so when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, and we haven't done it either before or we haven't done it in a long time, it sometimes messes with us. It's sometimes tough. It's sometimes like, oh, this is tough. If This is hard. Well, jump forward to that. We talked about, well, okay, here's who the Holy Spirit is. Get in the game. Actually apply some of the things. And then we talked about how everything that we know about God, if we really know it, like biblically know it, if we know it, know it, know it, then it changes us, that it's in motion, that the things that we know about God, theology-wise, no knowledge of God is without action. If we believe that God is all-knowing, it requires action from us. If we believe that God is God, it requires action from us. If we believe that God desires for us to be made more like Christ, it's hard, change is hard just like running is hard, but, hey, I'm going to be like Christ. So it requires action. Well, today we're going to kind of take a break for a second, kind of one of those mid-stride, mid-you've been in a dating relationship for a little bit, you've been casually dating, going out to eat, whatever, that's it, just going out to eat. And um, then you have to have that kind of, okay, what's going on here? conversation. You know what I'm talking about? In North Carolina, you probably call them this too. It's called the DTR talk, the determining the relationship talk, okay? We need to have the DTR, all right? So we're going to have the DTR this morning. Why do we want the Holy Spirit? Why would we want the Holy Spirit? We talked about all the things that he does and that he is, and we kind of real quickly put those out there, but from this point forward, we've got to put, put our heels in the ground, stop in our tracks and say, why do we really want the Holy Spirit? Okay, so today we're going to talk about some wrong motives. We're going to talk about two wrong motives for having the Holy Spirit, like traps that a lot of people get into, and then we're going to close on, okay, this is why we should want the Holy Spirit. You got it? Yeah? No? Okay, let me read this to you. It's clear that you, if you've been coming here for a while, it's clear that you want to see the Holy Spirit work in your life. Acts, if you're doing the Acts challenge, I mean, you've been, you've been confronted with a lot of stuff as you've studied the Word of God. You wouldn't have made it this far into the study or this far with this group of people if you didn't. That's a good thing. The first step in reversing our neglect of the Holy Spirit is desiring to see Him work in and through us. Those of you who have been around for the past couple months, you have seen the Holy Spirit do some crazy things in the lives of some individuals that are in this family. Those of you that haven't, you're like the distant cousin that lives in California that we never talked to, and you haven't seen those things that the Holy Spirit is doing. Come back for a visit. But at this point, there is an important question that needs to be asked. Why do you want the Holy Spirit? We all need to question our motives. We can't simply move on and assume that our hearts are in the right place. Why? Because I know my heart. I know the hearts of most of you that, you know what? It's, it's a really hard struggle sometimes to make sure that we are Christ-centered in all of our ways. It's very hard. So, before we continue, if we pursue the Spirit out of our love for God and people, then the power of God will be clearly displayed. But... If we try to use the Spirit for our own purposes, we're only demonstrating our pride. It's the difference between being used powerfully by God and being aggressively opposed by God. It's all in our motives. If there is pride involved in why we want the Holy Spirit, do you know what James says about pride and God's relationship with pride? Do you know it? God gives grace to the humble but opposes the proud. What's that word oppose mean? Makes life difficult? Okay, if you're on the football field and there is opposition, what, what, what does that look like? There's a bunch of 300-pound guys that are going to take you out and keep you from doing what needs to happen. That's a little weird when we think about God opposing us if we are proud. So before we continue, we've really got to uh, check our heart motives in this. That verse, by the way, is James 4:6. if you want to go look at that and mull over it later. On your piece of paper, on your little note card, I want you to do two things for me, Okay. Two things. I want you to take a minute or two. (laughs) I can't spell. (laughs) Spell check is not on this program. Take a minute or two, write down a few motivations for desiring the Holy Spirit. Why are, what are some motives that people desire the Holy Spirit today? These don't have to be like, what if I do the wrong answer and get the wrong one and he like kills me? No. No. Any motive. What are motives today of why people want or desire the Holy Spirit? Okay? Write a few down. You're not going to turn it in and be graded later. Um, if you need some pins, Josh Davis has now elected himself to get some pins for you. Oh, you got the crickets. Awesome. The Lord answers prayer. <laughs> okay, so focus, it's on the board. Screen whatever. That word is few. Write down a few motivations for desiring the Holy Spirit, good or bad. Go ahead and put some bad ones on there, too, of reasons you see other people in the kingdom of God desire the Holy Spirit. Okay, follow-up question, and then we'll talk about it, okay? Can you detect any hints of any of these motivations in your heart? Do you have any of these motivations in your heart? If so, what do you think causes you to be motivated in that way? So look at your list that you did. Do you have any of those motivations? You don't have to write down like, yes, I feel that I'm that way, because it doesn't have to be a complete sentence thing. Hmm, yes, I have that one. I wonder why. Think about it. Mull over it for a second. Then we'll talk about it. Can you detect any hints of these motivations in your heart? If so... Why do you think? Okay, we're putting it out there hypothetically. So when you talk, we're not going to just pinpoint spotlight on you and say, oh, they're wrestling with this, okay? We're just talking about it, okay? What are some motivations that we have or that people have of why they want the Holy Spirit? Some motives. What? Guidance, okay? What to do? Where to go? Okay, hold off on that. Guidance to, I mean, all of the things guidance-wise. guidance wise Who am I going to marry? What job should I have? Where should I live? Okay. What did you say? To get what you want. Yeah, I want the Holy Spirit so that I can get what I want. Hmm. Yeah. Obedience. You want the Holy Spirit so that you can be obedient. Okay. Discernment. That's wrong. That's right. This is truth. This is a whole lot of truth with a little bit of lie that's going to end up the same way if it's it's all a lie. I need to know that from the Holy Spirit of truth, okay? Give me some other bad motives To to get attention. How would the Holy Spirit get us attention? Okay, give me an example of that. Oh, my gosh. Ron, in the back, just died. Let's pray to the Holy Spirit and pray and ask God to raise Ron from the dead. Okay. Yeah. So think through, like, your um, Rolodex of TV preachers, right? and some of the things they do what what, what do they do yeah okay mm. yeah Business class Christianity with the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues versus everybody else in coach. Yeah. 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 What else? Speaking in tongues. Raising Ron from the dead. What God will do for us. And that kind of fits with what she said of, man, I want a big house. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sow this seed in faith to this TV station, and then I'm going to reap in return. Okay? Wrong motives. All right? Do me a favor. Take out your Bible. Turn to Acts chapter 8. We're not going to go through all of this. Those of you who are studying the Acts challenge with us, um, you're going to have to help us out in this little corridor of time. Acts chapter 8. And there's this amazing story... As the gospel is going out and as the Holy Spirit is motivating these believers to have this boldness and this witness for the sake of the gospel, there's this story that happens when the gospel goes out to some unbelievers. Um, Chapter 8, verse 1, we have entrance of Saul. Saul was in hearty agreement of putting Stephen to death. That happened in chapter 7 if you want to find out about that. On that day, there was a great persecution ...that arose against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout regions of Judea and Samaria. And we know from Acts chapter 1-8 that this was God's plan the entire time... ...was through suffering to take the gospel and get the gospel out to the other regions. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. Okay, then look at verse 3. Saul is having some problems. He is ravaging the church, but look at verse 4. Therefore, those who had been scattered, the ones who had been persecuted, what were they doing? Preaching the word. Look at some of the things that happened. Philip, he goes down to Samaria. He began preaching the gospel to him. Crowds in one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip. They saw signs that he was performing. He was casting out unclean or demonic spirits when they shouted with a loud voice. Many who had been paralyzed... And the lame were healed, so there was much rejoicing in this city. Pretty cool stuff going on. Then you get to verse 9. Now there was a man named Simon. Those of you who have done the Acts challenge, help me out. What happens with Simon? Okay, here's the word. He believes... Okay, where are you where he offers to pay for it? Okay, look at, look at verse 10. So we have all this stuff in the previous verses. I mean, lots of people are looking. It's pretty cool. Lame people are walking, paralyzed people getting up. Unclean spirits are like out, which would probably change things a little bit for him. And then you get to verse 10. Uh, the smallest to the greatest were giving attention to him saying, this man is what is called the great power of God. Go down to verse 12. But when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God, the name of Jesus, they were being baptized, men and women alike. Again, emphasizing when you believe, there's repent, repent from your sins, and then there's this first step of obedience with baptism. Even Simon himself believed, and he was baptized. He went through all the motions. He continued on with Philip as they observed signs and great miracles taking place. He was constantly what? Amazed. He's seeing all this crazy stuff happen through the power of the Holy Spirit in Philip. Now, when the apostles in Jerusalem, verse 14, heard about what was happening in Samaria, it caused them a little uh, little questioning time. So they sent Peter and John. Is this really happening? Who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit? For they had not yet the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen on them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them cash money records. Why would would he do that from what we've seen in this text so far? Another way of saying it, what was Simon's motive? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, yeah, I, I was great and then I'm seeing something greater. Well, if I want to maintain my status as great, then I need what's greater in order to be greater than great. Kind of confusing. Hmm. Yeah. What did the disciples say to him? Look at verse 19, 20. Well, we really need a new projector, so here, pay up and we'll tell you the secret. You're an idiot, bro. You are an idiot, Simon. You have totally missed what this is about. I'm not calling Rob an idiot, for those of you that were questioning that. He just called him an idiot. May your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or portion in this matter for your heart is not right before God. And what's he telling them to do? Your heart's not right before God and then key word in the book of Acts, repent, turn away from sin, go back to the cross, believe the gospel, apply the gospel to this situation. Repent of this wicked of yours and pray that the Lord, if possible the intention of your heart may be forgiven of you. Verse 24, but Simon, well, verse 23, for I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity. Man, but Simon answered and said, pray to the Lord for me yourselves so that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. So again, just real quickly, what's the motive for Simon? Glory, he wants the focus to go on him and not necessarily the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, here's what I want you to do in your group. I want you to answer this question. This happened a long time ago, but what if we transplanted this exact situation and put it into our context today of 2010 in Dallas-Fort Worth among Christians and believers around here, okay? Look at the question. Try to transfer this situation to our modern day, what would Simon's motivation look like if it were played out in the American church today? Okay? Think about it for a second, then talk about it with your group. Middle note, is the same person talking that's been talking the last 30 minutes? It's time to throw the ball of conversation to someone else. You're probably already moving towards this direction, but have you seen examples of this in church in general or even more like personal? Have you seen this in your own life as you've walked with the Lord and with your Holy Spirit? With your Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. Have you seen it in your life? Okay. So give me some examples. How have you seen this? Joe, it looked like y'all are having a good conversation. How have you seen this in what would happen if you transplanted this into American Church in Dallas Fort Worth today? I was just telling when I was listening to a guy that Mm-hmm. He's been all over the world. I think he said the scariest conversation you've ever had somebody, it fellow seminary student in Chicago. Yeah. You can make a lot of money off of American Church. it's true you you drive never mind whatever okay huh no I wasn't going to talk about cars I was going to talk about something else okay all right what else what were some other comments are there Simons today yes okay how do you see those What else? I'm good for two, whatever. (laughs) We're having a baby, $2,000, whatever. I'm kidding. Talk to Pam afterwards. Chill. Hold off on the, on the, what he says first. And we're going to. Pump that into this in just a second, okay? How else have you seen it? What? Boasting in church. <laughs> I get so nervous with it. Boasting in church growth. Tell me about that, Amanda. What do you mean? Boasting in the numbers of people coming to Boasting the Hmm. Boasting in the numbers of people that sit in pews or comfortable chairs versus the numbers of people that are being transformed to be more either have Christ in their life or be transformed in more into the image of Jesus. That's a big one. Give me another one and then we'll move on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just didn't get the tinglys when we sang that song. Yeah. So we go for the experience. And Pam, I think that is related with what you're talking about. Of A lot of people want the experience, and some people don't think you can get the experience from preaching the word of God. So they want to manipulate the experience. Well, you got to have the lighting at this level and smoke and Uh, You got to have the music that start on a high beat, get them there, let them them feel you, let them feel you, then boom, do the convicting song and then get up and talk about the financial report. And then everybody's, that's what we do at our church, sorry. Um, We don't do it for the experience, Never mind, I'm going to get in trouble. But yeah, and that's, especially in our generation of under 30, 35 under, they've been sold this lie of, Church has to be about the experience, about, well, I just didn't get a lot from that. Well, what did you give? Did you give something? Because, I think that's what, we'll get to that when we talk about right motives. Okay, Rob, hit it. Okay, so he takes it from what he asks and gets to the true motive. What's the motive? His heart is not right. We'll get the numbers and then we'll say see you later. Yeah. Yeah. goes on the field, Peter's, hope, Peter's trust is in the and the of Jesus alone. Yep. So we come back to the question of why do you want the Holy Spirit? Do you want it to do all this crazy stuff or uh, do you want it for the sake of the gospel? And asking that question gets passed through the outward stuff to the heart of the matter of why on the inside and who you are on the inside do you really want the Holy Spirit? Let me, uh, in, this, in this part, uh, let's get to this. This is what um, Francis Chan says on page 87. When the Spirit moved at Pentecost... People knew there was power present that came from God. That's why they didn't leave saying, John is amazing. He learned a new language in a matter of seconds. They knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that it had to be God. So you think of when you go to church or when you hear a good speaker, wow, that speaker was amazing. Or wow, that instrumental guitar solo was powerful. Or that song really ministered to me. Man, that artist was awesome. Which it's okay to say the artist, the speaker was awesome, but where's where's the driving point? Who's awesome? Who's worked through them if they're faithful to the Word of God? God, the Holy Spirit. Do we get that? Yeah. Okay? The Holy Spirit always, this is the kind of take home point, the Holy Spirit always and only works to glorify God. The Holy Spirit always and only works to glorify God. There's this whole crazy thing of where Jesus says he he sent the Spirit, the Spirit was going to testify about Jesus. Jesus said his job was to testify about God and to honor God. So the Holy Spirit, all of the Trinity involved in one, the point is to glorify, to boast, to make much, to magnify God. And if it doesn't magnify God, then it's a wrong motive, okay? It's a wrong motive. Let's go to the the next one real quick. Trap number two, leading the spirit. (laughs) Uh, Let me move past this. Another trap we would easily fall into is trying to lead the spirit rather than being led by him. So somebody said direction for, yeah, I want the spirit for direction, But instead of taking the direction of the Holy Spirit, we drop those like, and here's a hint, and here's a hint. Oh, that's where you want me to go. Oh, that door's closed, that door's closed, that door's closed. They're not really closed, but that's where I want to go. So, Holy Spirit, let's go. Have you seen people do that? We go down this path, we start with our own dreams and our own desires, and we ask for the Spirit to work to accomplish our plans. What's wrong with that? There are plans. That's real I mean real straightforward, right? Okay, so let's put this into perspective. And I know this is a tough one. You put you have you here and you have you and God are on the couch, okay? You here, God here. You have your plans, your dreams, your ambitions in life. Give me some of those that people have as plans, ambitions in life. We're a part of a singles group. Okay, all the ladies. Married! Right, (laughs) real quick. Okay, Jason, what were you going to say, man? Wealth. God, sure, I'll serve you, I'll worship you as long as I have a six-figure income with this great portfolio, right? If that's where you're going, sign me up. If that's not where you're going, then mm, I'll go to this church where I can say, well, I'll, I'll just give to the church. God, you want me to just give to the church, right? We go back to what's the heart in the motive? What's, what's the real motive of why you're doing it? So we got um, direction, we got wealth, we've got what else? Marriage, security. security. What do you mean, Jeremy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Columbia? What? I'm not going to Columbia. People with guns there. There's drugs there. People get abducted there. I'm not going. I'm fine right here. Yeah. Or parents, some of your parents may experience this. You are feeling the push towards the mission field. And they're like, no way. We wanted you to be a lawyer. We wanted you to be the doctor and pay for other people to go. Hmm. And yet God is still sitting here on the couch of, let me tell you piece by piece, not all at once because it will totally freak you out and because you need to trust me. Let me tell you my agenda. Here's the next step. Here's the next step. Here's the next step. Are you going to be dependent? Each choice you make in life, you have the opportunity to be dependent or to say, nope, I'm back on the throne of my life. I'm the idol in my life. What I want to do is what I want to do. Have you seen that? Have you seen that? Yes, in other people, it's always easier to see it in other people. But have you seen that in your own heart? I've seen it in my heart, and it is, it's so convicting. In this case, we're really following in the footsteps of Simon the Magician. He earnestly desired the Spirit, but he wasn't seeking to be led by the Spirit. Yeah, I want him for the benefits, but not really to surrender to have a life that is led by him. Does that make sense? You track him with me? Yeah, no? Need some coffee? Okay. All right. Let's keep going. One question, and then... ah. I can't spell, I'm sorry. Practically, what does it mean for you? What's the difference between these? Practically, what's it mean to be led by the Spirit versus leading the Spirit? Does that make sense? Yeah? Talk about it in your group. What's the difference between being led by the Spirit rather than trying to lead the Spirit for your own purposes. What's it mean to be led by the Spirit rather than lead Him for your own purposes? Okay, now here's where the searchlight of Scripture and where the Holy Spirit takes the searchlight of the Word of God and turns it from out there to your heart. Okay? Are you ready for it? Brace yourself. Okay? Brace yourself. Ask this question. Don't turn to 1 Corinthians yet. On your card, being completely honest. This is not something I want you to share with the group yet. Okay, do you really want to follow the Holy Spirit? Do you really want to follow the Holy Spirit regardless of where he may lead you? Write it down on your card. Again, the searchlight of scripture coming into your own life. Because that, we cannot move forward until we answer this question. Got it? Anybody need some tissues? Have a big cry fest? Be okay? Okay. Console one another in brotherly love. All right. Now let's move. It's, it's done. Let's move to the right motive of why we would want the Holy Spirit. That's where I need for you to turn to 1 Corinthians 12 real quickly. 1 Corinthians 12. The right motives for wanting. The power of the Holy Spirit, a life equipped and enabled by the Holy Spirit of God. This is what it is all about in 1 Corinthians 12. Jump to verse 4 with me, please. Now, these are, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of ministries in the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation for the common good. If you're a Bible writer, underliner, whatever, underline that phrase, for the common good. For the common good. Let's keep going. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit, and to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And to another, the effecting of miracles, and to another, prophecy, and to another, distinguishing of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all of these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. We don't have time to go into all of the stuff about spiritual gifts right now. It's a great study for you if you've never done it before. And if you do not know what your spiritual gift is, that's a great study for you to do. According to Paul, the Spirit works into individual lives, verse 7, for the common good. 1 Corinthians 12-14 through describes the proper function of the body of Christ. The faith family. Family time. God has placed each one of us in a specific location. Your family cannot be your family without you in your family. A body cannot be a body without an eye, without an ear, without a leg, without an arm, without a brain functioning the way that it should. Dysfunctional bad stuff happens when the eye and ear and all those other parts are off on their own little vacation somewhere. That's why Paul uses those examples for us. Our task is to build up the Christians around us... ...and to reach out to the rest of the world. 1 Corinthians 12 takes it into family time... ...versus Acts that takes it into the spirit of witness... ...preach the gospel, get out there. Both are required. It is actually the spirit who empowers us to fulfill this calling... By giving us supernatural abilities, otherwise known as spiritual gifts. The flashiest of these things like prophecy and speaking in tongues. But we shouldn't overlook the fact that encouragement and service are also manifestations, miraculous manifestations of the Spirit of God. Once again, our tendency can be to focus on the specific manifestations of the Spirit ...that Paul mentions, but even in the midst of describing how the Spirit works through us... ...in these ways, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31... ...I will show you a more excellent way. Then you get 1 Corinthians 13, which is the chapter on... ...what? Love. All of this, 12 to 14, is about spiritual gifts that little quilt that you have that has 1 Corinthians 13, the purpose of that is spiritual gifts. Your spiritual gift being used in a relationship of love within the body, the faith family of Jesus Christ that Jesus has put you in. Not the faith family of the greater like all of the world, but the faith family that God has led you to specifically to use your gifts to edify and build up the body of Jesus Christ. That is what we should want with the Holy Spirit. The proper motivation for desiring the Holy Spirit is love for the people that God has placed in our lives. We say family because I've got some family members that it is hard to love. I'm sure you do too. Why have I been put in that family though? To love them. Look at this, the spirit works in us because he loves the people around us. Do you love the people in your life enough to pursue the spirit of God for their benefit? So Amanda's saying, I'm gonna pursue God, not just for me, not just for the spirit to work in my life, but for Haley's life, for Charlotte's life, for Jana's life, for them. I'm gonna pursue the spirit of God for you all. Alex is going to pursue the Spirit of God for you all. Joe is going to pursue the Spirit of God, yes, so that holiness and Christlikeness is developed in his life, but so that he also is able to use his gift to see the same thing happen in your lives. That's pretty awesome. That's amazing. Watch this real quick. So everybody's really nervous right now that you're going to have to do that in your group. But more than that, what I desire for for us is that, um, well, that we would get to this place. What I want you to do this week and today, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, I want you to spend some time in prayer. I want you to start individually first, okay? Spend some time in prayer. You might want to write this down. We'll put it on Facebook later, all that kind of stuff. We'll remind each other of it. I want you to ask God for humility, and that's a risky thing to ask God for. Ask God for humility and love to speak honestly into the lives of the people that are around you. Some of you are like, I I haven't been here. I'm not a part of this group. I don't really, I don't really fit into this. If you want to be a part of this group, this is where you jump in like cannonball into the group. Okay. If you're uncomfortable with it, I understand. Hold off, it's okay. But for those of you that have been kind of coming in and out for the last six months, year, two years, five years, and you haven't had this relationship yet, it's time to cannonball in. Don't just be getting your feet wet anymore, okay? And as other people are honest with you, this week I want you to invite people to be honest with you, to have this conversation with you over coffee, To have this conversation with you after you all have worked out and you go get something to eat. Wherever you are in your relationship with the people in this room. As other people are honest with you, ask the spirit to work in your heart, removing sinful thoughts and motivations and allowing you to grow and follow the spirit for the benefit of those around you, not just for you. Does that make sense? Is that tough? Yeah. Pretty convicting for me this week too because I'm thinking of in the past when people have spoken truth into my life, not necessarily in the best way. Look at me, I'm rationalizing it. They've spoken truth into my life and I haven't had the humility of the spirit of God to listen and to say, you know, you're right, pray for me. I had the like, I'm gonna kick your butt mentality of, oh yeah, you said that about me? Well, I'm gonna say this about you and deflect it all onto you. Which we do that all the time. So my prayer for you this week, pray for humility and pray for the, don't just pray for this opportunity. Pray for it and make this opportunity happen in your week this week. Deal? Yes, I know probably about 50, 30% of you will do this, but that's a win for me. Do it, okay? Let me pray for us, we're done and I'll tell you some announcements. God, thank you so much. Thank you that you see into the inner recesses of our hearts. You know our hearts, God. And yet you still move towards us with the love of the gospel. You still do things in order to change us. You orchestrate all situations in our life not to make us comfortable, not to make things great where we feel good, but Lord, to make us more into the image of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for the things that you're orchestrating in the lives of the people in this room to get them to realize that they need to press on to maturity and being like Jesus Christ. Thank you for orchestrating the events and people in this room's lives that do not know you to where they are able to question, do I love Jesus? Have I trusted Jesus with everything? Or am I just nominally going to church and saying the name of Jesus? Lord, I ask that you would do the work that you desire to do through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, and through community of believers, our family together, that you would do that work. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.